A midweek on the mountain meltdown? I mean, I guess it's possible. We have to at least entertain the thought here in the fast lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg Gap. And I know there are Liberty fans out there going, no, you don't. Or in the immortal words of our guy, Deion Sanders, better known as Coach Prime, albeit the floundering Coach Prime. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. But the thing is, I am not of the belief that Liberty is going to falter for midweek on the mountain. Now, how much I think they take care of business. They are undefeated against the spread and on the record, 6-0 and for both this year. That will come around 5.50 today in our votes of confidence. We will get to that after a two-part chat with Ben Cates of NewsAdvance.com. He will, of course, talk high school football around 5.30, but he'll be over at Williams Stadium along with Ty Tracy and me. We're both going over there, Ty, right? Yes, we are. We're going to be there supporting and, you know, do not say anything like usual. I would say every Saturday, but... No, on Tuesday. Every on Tuesday. home game, Ty, they are all sorts of days I mean, right now. Yeah, but I would say I would say on Saturdays, but right now we're on Tuesday schedule. So, you know, we'll I go know. whenever the opportunity is necessary to go over there. Now, I'll be fully honest. When the basketball team is playing, you know, Life Christian Academy, which is kind of like LCA of the college, uh, although LCA, you know, it's. I don't know if I'm going to be over there for Mid-Atlantic Christian. I love Richie McKay and men's basketball, but uh, that that's going to be a tougher one to swing. But we'll be over there for a lot of basketball games. We're over there for football tonight. And here's why I am not worried about Liberty suffering midweek on the mountain meltdown. I actually thought their biggest challenge of the year was going to Jacksonville State. I was wrong. Got no problem admitting it. We're not like traditional media outlets where we're always right and we're never wrong because, as Coach Prime likes to remind us, and guess what? We keep receipts. Darn right we do. Fast lane, Ed Lane, wherever you listen to podcasts. So when we make predictions, it's not hard. We can even say, or I can say selfishly, I got receipts. Darn right. And even when that means it's bad, we're upfront about it. So I thought last week was the letdown spot for Liberty. And they handled it so effectively, bowling over Jacksonville State on the road. In a game where they were trailing early, but they stuck with the offensive line, and they stuck with the running game. And that's what Jamie Chabwell mentioned in looking at this game. As, in the micro sense, one of the keys to Liberty's victory, which, of course, when it comes to the Flames, it's always fun to get into the weeds here in the fast lane. Let's get into the weed. Smoke weed every day. Excuse me. Let's get into the weeds where we take a dive into different sports topics here on the Fast Lane. So one is the basic element when it comes to running the football. And I don't think this is as true as it used to be. And I don't think it's bad for it not to be true. At the professional ranks, if you have a passing quarterback... We'll just use Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow. Uh, If there was a normal coach with the Chargers, I'd put Justin Herbert in this category, but I'm not exactly a Brandon Staley guy. Last night did nothing to change my mind. I know analytics community loves him, but I'm not a fan of his. I'm going to say this. Last night's game really made me mad. That was probably the most awful game from both teams. It was so many flags, and like Brandon Staley left three points off the board. It could have gone to overtime, but... I ain't going to say too much about it, the game. It is not exactly a coaching clinic when Mike McCarthy of Dallas and Brandon Staley of the Chargers square off. And we got witness to that last night, and you did, on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. But if you have a viable passing quarterback, even in college football, Drake May at Carolina, 
Caleb Williams at USC. Granted, they've got deficiencies all over that defense and even on the offensive line. Heck, Quinn Ewers at Texas. Among others, Bryce Young last year at Alabama. Maybe they should have done it a little differently with him because the offensive line wasn't great, and I don't think the pass catchers were spectacular either. But if you've got a viable, good, quality passing quarterback, this adage is not true. But in the majority of cases, and Liberty's no exception, 50% roster turnover, you're trying to preserve a defense and get them up to par, this philosophy of Jamie Chadwell is something they've used from the start of the year. The run-pass ratio, the time of possession advantage Liberty has held bear this out, that the running game has set up the offense. It sets up our play action, keeps our defense off the field, um, does a lot of things for us. And we, uh, for the most part, we've been able to run it you know, uh, pretty good. And for the most games, there's been some we've struggled. But um, that has to be who our identity is. We've got to find ways to do that so we can set up the rest of our you know, offense and things that we want to do for our explosive standpoint. Liberty, running game setting up the offense. I mean, when you've got games like New Mexico State, second half, they hold the ball for 11 minutes and change of the 15 possible minutes in the third quarter, including a nine-plus-minute drive that culminated in a touchdown. Last week, 37-23 time of possession advantage over Jacksonville State and winning that edge comfortably in three of the four quarters to the Liberty Flames. Then, yeah, it's true. But it's also smart because this is the right philosophy with what Liberty has. Caden Salter has progressed as a passer, but he's athletic at quarterback. They've got two viable running options there. It's easier to get an offensive line that's trying to gel to run protect as opposed to pass protect. And remember, this is an offensive line that over the summer had to deal with the tragic passing of offensive lineman Taj Boyd and injuries, including notably Brandon Schlittler, the uh, all-conference caliber offensive lineman for Liberty. So taking this just in in right context, it's been a run-heavy philosophy for Liberty. And while you may want to see more passing as a Flames fan, The coaching staff has shown they're willing to run the football, that they're really kind of a spread-based option, which means it's it's similar to the triple option style attacks in the sense that it's very run-heavy. It's just window dressing out of the spread, and they will throw the ball. We've seen a number of times where there have been 25 or so passing attempts for Caden Salter. It's not dominant, but it's more than healthy enough that if a quarterback can throw the football, you'll get opportunities to showcase those skills. But it all relies on the run game. And with where Liberty happens to be in the embassy of the Jamie Chabell era, year one, this run-heavy philosophy is something that has worked well and therefore allows them to control the flow of the game. And we saw that blueprint last week against Jacksonville State, as we mentioned earlier, when Liberty wins that game going away by double figures and they have the ball for 37 minutes to 23 for the opponent, that the run-heavy philosophy can serve Liberty extremely well. Well, that's something part of our identity. We want to be able to run the ball. I also want to play complimentary football. And what I mean by that is a team like Jack State that goes fast. If you've looked at all their wins, they've wore people down in the second half. And, and, you know, our plan was to try to play keep away and uh, not let not allow our defense to to get tired. And so uh, we want to be able to, you know, have a balance. Uh, I don't believe a balance is 50-50. I think a balance is based off what the defense is giving you. That last part for Jamie Chabal, this was his midweek press conference a couple days ago looking ahead to Middle Tennessee. But that last part, it's not 50-50, it's based off what the defense is giving you. That's a big thing for Liberty and why I would say I've got faith that they may not cover the spread. It opened at 13 points. Liberty expected to win by just under two touchdowns and two extra points to now 14 and a half. So they need to get to 15 or more for you to cash your bet if you're novice to sports betting. That spread has moved in favor of Liberty. More on that in our votes of confidence. 
but it's not based upon a predetermined ratio. It's what the opponent is giving you. Some of the best coaches out there are the ones that are willing to take what an opponent is is willing to do. In their heyday, New England when Tom Brady was there, would have that approach. They take what the defense gave them. You know, who knows what's going on right now? That's a topic for a different time. But right in the Tom Brady area, they did. To Andy Reid's ever-loving credit, as a Philadelphia Eagles fan, I used to bone the fact that you'd have like one game a year where he'd throw the ball like 20 consecutive times and forget that the running game existed. We've seen him mature quite a bit. This year's an example with Kansas City, but prior years have shown this to be the case as well with Patrick Mahomes and the willingness to run the football. And yes, that's the pro game, but it's a philosophy of winning coaches. We love to laud Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh because the standard of winning is the standard. The standard is the standard. That's correct. Mike Tomlin has noted that. But taking what the opponent gives you, which means you can maximize what you have relative to what you should be getting out of it. I'm a big Zig Ziglar guy. One of my best quotes from him is, success is the maximum utilization of whatever God gave you. Sometimes God gave you more in terms of passing options, pass catching options, and running options, and offensive line talent. Sometimes you got to make the most out of what you got. And Liberty actually has a lot of weapons that have come to life in the passing game and in the running game. But taking what the opposing team gives them, it takes a lot of discipline for a coaching staff and a team to do that. And it says the coaching staff is committed more to winning than it is to just relying on their philosophy. This is what we're going to do because this is how we play a football game. And yes, I'm pounding the table in kind of mock jest of this. But Trey, you've been on football teams before. And I know Heritage is just not a banner year for Brad Bradley. More on this around 530 with Ben Cates of NewsAdvance.com. But to his ever-loving credit, Brad Bradley, and I know he's not everybody's cup of tea, but to his, to his ever-loving credit, I, the one thing that's jumped out to me is when they had viable passing quarterbacks, they'll open up the offense. But years like this year where, let's be honest, the offense kind of looks limited. I can say that because JF beat them and they only scored eight points in that game. So uh, we've seen them in person and have seen the results over more than half a year. They've at least been willing to shorten the season up and take what a defense gives you. And that is the mark of a good coach where you've got the ability to do both. You may have your preferences as a coach. You may want to go tempo. Bradley, I think, is a good example. In his best years, he goes tempo and likes to attack. But they're willing to change the game plan up. That's why I think all that translates back to Liberty and I have confidence that they can handle business tonight and avoid a letdown. I can say this, that um, Liberty runs probably like that triple option. They runs it so well. And they put um, a lot of people on their heels, especially like the defensive ends and the backers, because they have a hard time guarding. Usually, like with stuff like that, usually you have the, your defensive end attacking the quarterback and let the um, let them pitch it out. But right now, you don't see teams doing that. And a lot of the defensive ends be like kind of like flowing with the quarterback and trying to play both, but they can't do it. That's how that's how Liberty catch catch people. And plus, they got that little play action pass, a little called RPO as well. Has somebody on the flat so. Um, Slater get cold, throw it quick to the flats and everything. So that's how – I think that's how they've been successful and everything, especially, like, against Jacksonville State. You've seen that a lot and everything. I think uh, – I can't remember the player's name, but he – he I think caught, like, probably, like, five or ten catches on the on, on the flats and caught, like, a, fir- a couple first downs, especially crucial ones too as well. So I think that's why Liberty been so successful. That triple option just been killing everybody and stuff because they never – Expect we'll see what's coming on how to guard it. Cooley is a great pound the rock running back, but Bedgood out of the backfield has given them somebody that can catch the football in the flat, like you mentioned. CJ Daniels has been a revelation in passing in the past game in terms of his big playability, and he's 6'3. He can make catches over the middle. I think they listen to like 6'4, but I always downsize most guys because programs have been known to uh, often exaggerate that height. You know, maybe 6'4 with dreads in a helmet, and I think he does have, you know, the helmet on when they measure him sometimes. But, you know, the 
truth is, that's part of what's made a team like Liberty dangerous is they've gotten creative and they've taken what the defense has given them, Trey and plus, or Ty, how, and that's a, so and plus, big for them. And plus, that's how today's game is now. Like, it's more passing, RPO now. Don't get me wrong. Teams will run the ball, but you get a lot of RPO. They'll, it's probably like RPO is basically like, your pat is like basically passes your first run, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, and you've got to be. I think I think being run heavy is not a bad thing in this day and age, but there has to be the option and the threat to pass. The triple option, run it f- and throw it five times, doesn't normally work in college and professional football in this day and age. It's not three yards in a cloud of dust. That's a lot harder to accomplish. But you still need to find ways to control the running the game with your ground game if that's what you're best suited to do and to give Liberty credit they've been willing to do a lot of that offensively hold your thoughts we'll get to more on that after Ben Cates of newsadvance.com because that's one reason why Liberty I think is still poised to avoid mid down mid week on the madness meltdown type games like tonight because they've got uh the ability to control the game on the ground game. More on that in a little bit, and it does relate to an overall mindset theme as well, which will lead into our votes of confidence after part two of Ben Cates, who will start with us around 5.30 talking high school football. But speaking of control and having control of your situation, you need to control your bankroll and your budget. Of course, you know who will help with that. InsaneRadioDeals.com. You want to go to a Liberty Flames game? A little bit late for tonight, but there are tickets for the other remaining home games, including Old Dominion. In a couple of weeks, two and a half weeks. Guess who can help? InsaneRadioDeals.com. Two packs of tickets, so get a pair of tickets. One for you, one for someone else. Normally, 70 bucks for a pair of tickets. InsaneRadioDeals.com has two tickets for $22.22. And the remaining games on the schedule are Saturday games. So no excuses. No, it's work. No, it's tomorrow. No, 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 no. Or as our guy, Coach Prime, likes to remind us, of course. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. We don't need that excuse. So don't make one. Visit InsaneRadioDeals.com. Now, other topics to address in the Fast Five at Five-ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. He was arguably the most impactful recruit for Nick Saban in his tenure at Alabama because he's the first big blue-chip recruit of many, of course, who committed to Alabama. He went on to have a phenomenal career, a great catch in the Super Bowl if it wasn't for you know questionable coaching decisions that would have that blew a 28-3 lead. This player would have had a Super Bowl ring to his name. He has since bounced around to Tennessee and Tampa Bay after stops in Atlanta. And now he's signing to the Philadelphia Eagles practice squad with the expectation he will eventually be elevated because of injuries at the wide receiver position outside of their top two pass catchers, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Look, if Julio Jones were the Julio Jones of five years ago, this would be a wonderful signing for Philadelphia. But keep in mind, He's available and being signed to a practice squad with ability to be elevated to the active roster, and he's been a free agent until October 17th. Look, I'd be excited about this a long time ago. Call me skeptical, Trey, Ty, that this is anything more than just filling the void of a roster where you're just looking for depth pieces and think Julio Jones can come in and be competent because the book has been out on him for a while that his ability to separate is nothing close to what it used to be and that is what made him different from a lot of big bodied receivers is he could separate and therefore use his body control the catch and 
have breakaway speed. He's plus, still got the plus, size. And plus, he's been it. hurt too as well. Yep, he's been banged up. So this is a this is a shell of his former self, Julio Jones. Um, let's keep it real with regards to that. Number four. Legendary ESPN hockey analyst Barry Melrose announcing his retirement at the start of the hockey season to focus on his fight against Parkinson's. Uh, I, I have uh, nothing but admiration. We've had Barry Melrose on a number of times on our Virginia Talk Radio Network platform history. And he's the type of analyst that despite being a big name, was always generous with his time, including during the playoffs at the heat of interest in the Stanley Cup Finals. And our coverage has dwindled a little bit as the Washington Capitals, who, by the way, their uh, sellout streak just ended, uh, a remarkable sellout streak. It just ended the other day. But Barry Melrose was very generous with his time as a hockey analyst. He's one of those guys who helped put hockey on the map because of his passionate coverage and his willingness to convey that to the average person. Number three. NASCAR saying there was an issue with the template used on the inspection of the Ryan Blaney shock at Las Vegas and therefore the initial disqualification of Ryan Blaney's finish in the 12 car, which would have given him just one point at Las Vegas. That has been rescinded. Um, I have no idea how this impacts betting if you bet on Ryan Blaney for a top five or a top three because that whole decision shakes up what NASCAR has uh, in, in the betting market. I'd be very curious about that. For the record, I did not have anything like that, so I don't have any personal knowledge of how that would have unfolded. Um, but to go this long for NASCAR, look, first and foremost, you got it right, and I'm willing to give them credit. They admitted, even though it was late, that... They had an issue with the template use, and they did the right thing because they couldn't properly prove that Ryan Blaney had the wrong shock, and therefore they could not justify disqualifying him at Las Vegas, which, again, give NASCAR credit for that. But taking this long, it was yesterday afternoon right after the show, to come to this conclusion, that's where I go, okay, NASCAR, you got to have something in place to make it a little bit more clear-cut as to whether this was or was not the right decision. Number two. Mike Mulvihill, president of Insights and Analytics at Fox Corp, has tweeted an eyebrow-raising nugget regarding interest in college football. There's a lot of talk about the transfer portal and name, image, and likeness diminishing the interest in college football, but total viewing entering this past weekend was up 12% this year and 28% compared to this time five years ago. Mulvihill of Fox adding that among, quote, well-established major properties, end quote, I don't know what in all of TV is trending any better than college football. Well, I mean, look, the NFL is not going to get 12% year-over-year increases and 28%. They are already, they're not maxed out, but it's incremental gains right now as the dominant property in terms of consumption. And plenty of people are now tuning into the radio more than ever. And we've got data courtesy of Westwood One. And we carry their Thursday night, Monday night, and Sunday night football games. Plus other games throughout the college football and NFL weekend. CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg on Facebook for our full updated schedule each time we have games. But you know, there is a lot of interest in football. If people are frustrated with interest around here, I would say it's much less a factor of name, image, and likeness in the transfer portal. More on that in basketball, by the way, with Tech and UVA, whose rosters have both had big additions because of the portal. And helpful additions, we might add. It's the fact that they have not produced winning products that have compelled people to even pay attention until you could say recently Virginia Tech, whereas Liberty and JMU have both weathered multiple coaching administrations, the move from one AA FCS 
to 1AFBS, and they've done it successfully. That's why there is interest in those programs. Ultimately, the ability to win matters, and yes, the limited inventory of college football games makes them extremely compelling, and frankly, I think people still care about college sports now more than ever before because while you may not be attached to conferences and the regional rivalries the way you used to, and I miss that tremendously in college sports and believe there should be a place for it and believe that's being butchered. There is still interest in the product as a whole. I think it's just more focused on your school itself as opposed to all the other rivalries. And number one on the Fast Five at Five-ish. Speaking of local schools and rivalries, VMI 17, the Citadel 13, the Silver Shaco, it's back in Lexington. Premier rivalry trophy for that. It does not shock me at all that the Citadel, despite being 0-7 this year, Gave VMI a run for their money as the cadets are three and three. Cadets are three and three. First of all, I'll give a, a hat tip to, to Rocco at VMI because when Wackenheim left, it's obvious that job is so challenging. They cannot, they're a one way street when it comes to the transfer portal. They can't accept transfers coming in and they don't have graduate programs. So, guys who graduate early and have eligibility remaining, particularly say if you get injured one year and you play fewer than four games and you can appeal to the NCAA that you've got eligibility remaining, they're going to go out of VMI. So, they've had guys that have left that particular program over the last handful of years as the portal has opened up. So, to get to three and three at a place like VMI. Heck, what Wackenheim did, getting to the college football or the 1AA playoffs a a couple of years ago. I mean, that's remarkable in a place like this. And the fact that they had to eke out a victory over an 0-7 team in the Citadel, I mean, there are certain rivalry games where you can say, throw the records out the window, and you can roll your eyes at that cliche. But for that one, it is realistically the case because the Citadel and VMI are the 1AA FCS version of... Air Force and Navy, they'll play this weekend, as well as Army. It's much more restrictive academically. The regiment and the requirements to get in there make it hard to get players in and then for players to want to stick around, and it's much more selective. That's why that's a really impressive victory for VMI over the weekend to get to 3-3. and It'd be awesome if they could get to 500 on the year. I I still think they're fighting an uphill battle in that regard, but that win is worth highlighting because that rivalry game does mean so much for both of those programs. And there is your Fast Five at Five-ish. When we return in the Fast Lane, first, it's high school football. Then, it'll be college football. Because Ben Cates of NewsAdvance.com covers high school football and will be at Williams Stadium for Middle Tennessee against Liberty. So all of that is still to come here in the Fast Lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.